and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in your eyes. Therefore I say to you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. This is not a GQ move. It's just trying to keep my head from baking. Oh, God. Today, uh, these scriptures, it's a case of uh, um, sad gets sadder, or bad gets badder. I know that's bad English. Worse is worse gets worser, okay? We start out with a sad, bad, sad story. It, it's an allegory in this first reading. And um, the author is using it to describe Israel and Judah. And so in this allegory, he says, my friend had this vineyard, you heard the whole thing, and, and it plants the best of grapes. But they turn out sour. They go bad. And then in this allegory, uh, the author says, it's you, Judah. You're the vineyard. You, Israel, you're the vineyard. And you've been given the best. You've been given a message. To you will be sent a Messiah, and you don't get it. You don't get it. And your bad goes to worse. So in the gospel, it gets worse because Jesus tells a parable to the Pharisees and the scribes and to the people. And in it, he says to them, in this parable, that this man had a vineyard, and in this vineyard, uh, he had tenants there farming for him to produce the fruit. And he goes on a journey. When he comes back, he, he sent his servants to get the produce. He wants to take it to market and sell it. And lo and behold, they, they beat up, kill, and stone these servants. Hmm. So he sends more. They do the same. And then the story plummets to the worst. He thinks to himself, oh, surely they'll respect my son. I, mean, I own the place. They're working for me. They'll respect my son. But they turn on him and said, his son, that's the heir. If we kill him, maybe we can get the inheritance. Now, this must be Jewish law. I, I, I hear this in Mexico, and don't any Mexican people get mad at me over this, but this is what I hear. People will have property in Mexico, but if they don't get a relative, and I've heard in the Philippines too, 
that, that uh, if somebody is staying in the house, taking care of it, sometimes they can uh, get the property. Uh, it'll it'll uh, be turned over to them because what, what, what is that they, they call that? Uh, there it is, squatter's rights. They've lived in it for three years, the property is theirs. Now, I don't think that can happen in this country, but when I hear that, it's devastating. I, I've heard of people having to go to court and fight over getting their property back. It's crazy. Well, this must be what was happening for the Jews. Let's kill the heir, he's the only one, and then maybe we can get the inheritance. But the beauty of this parable, and Jesus is a great teacher, he does it so often, but he tells this parable to them and sucks them into the story. They're hearing the awfulness of this story, all of it. They have no idea where Jesus is going with this. So after he tells the story and he's got them, he's hooked them, he says, what do you think should happen to those people who did that? And they, said, and they all said, take those wretched people and give them a wretched death. And then Jesus turns on them. It's you. You're those, you're those tenant farmers. You're the ones who have taken the produce, the gifts given to you, and squandered them, lost them, destroyed. You're the ones that are losing everything. Now, I had a friend this week about another scripture, because every day I write in the uh, Facebook page um, my little reflection. It always helps me prepare for Mass, but it also, uh, I figure a lot of people aren't getting to church, so it's one way of reaching out and sharing the word with them. Uh, always referring back to the USCCB.org where we can get the daily scriptures for the Mass. They have them in Spanish too. But uh, so I wrote my little reflection and this friend of mine said to me, well, uh, who's supposed to hear this? Was it the people of the time or us? And I said, it's always us. This is why it got written. The, the scriptures were orally spoken for at least 400 years before, after Abraham before anything got written down. Uh, and, and so they were written down so that we could go to those historical moments in time where God and people interacted in some way and something hopefully was learned and say, how does it apply to us? So these scriptures, we can easily point and say, see, this was meant for the Jews, and it was. It wasn't anti-Jewish. It was uh, Matthew's way of trying to convince them, open up. The Messiah you've long awaited for is here. Open your eyes. But many could not. In fact, they put him to death. So when we read this, and we can so easily point to them, well, what about us? It's kind of like when we come to Good Friday, I, always, I love it when we read the Passion. And we get to the point, and, and I tell people, really shout this, crucify him! Crucify him! Dramatize it! Feel it! And then I just love to say, you know, it's easy to have all kinds of feelings about those people that stood at the cross and shouted that. Would you have shouted it? Would I have? Look at in our society when crowds become mobs. The difference between a crowd, a crowd of people can have all kinds of different feelings. A mob gets manipulated to have one strong, united feeling. It could be, crucify him. It could be, burn those buildings down. It could be, get the police. It could be any number of things. But when a crowd becomes a mob, 
they can often do awful things. So would we shout at the cross, crucify him? I don't know if I would or wouldn't have. I guess it would depend if I was a man of faith or if I understood what was going on or if I could see beneath the surface. So what about us today? Are we any different if, if we're the tenets of the, of, of the faith, of the truth that we believe in Jesus Christ? What have we done with it? What do we do with it? I read a comment. There's a commentary called Sacred Space that the Irish Jesuits. And I read it. It was all right. I read the whole thing. But at the very end, I thank God I read the whole thing because at the very end, it asks this question. Is faith about coming here to do what we do today? Or is it about doing what we do and taking it out of here? And said, of course, it's, we don't come here just to come here and get fat on the word, to get fat on the Eucharist, to get spiritually fattened up. We come here to get the energy, the nourishment, to go out and change the world, transform the world with the love of Christ. And it really isn't just one or the other, it's both. We come here to stir up our faith so that leaving with that faith stirred up, we can produce fruitfulness out there in the world. That's it in a nutshell. Well, today is one of those examples where I would call it um, a spiritual and a scriptural sandwich. And the two buns are not all that tasty. They're kind of sad, worse, bad. But inside is a succulent piece of meat or fish or whatever you like in that kind of a sandwich. And it's that second reading, the letter to the Philippians. And I know it was read beautifully proclaimed by Rocio, but I want to read it again after having reflected upon the vineyard and the vineyard, both catastrophes. Paul writes this letter to the Philippians, and I think of all of the letters of Paul, the letters to the Philippians, is, it's about the most sensitive and affectionate letter there, I think. Just, it's, it's beautiful. And this is what he says, brothers and sisters, have no anxiety at all. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Then, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. If we came here today to celebrate, to receive, and give to one another the God of peace. We're already enriched incredibly. But what if we take that out in the world today and share it with others?